the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Tuesday night, the fresh batch of rankings are out from the chefs in that playoff selection committee kitchen. There has been no change at the top five. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M, and Florida down just one spot. Ah, spot. After losing as a 24-point favorite at home against an LSU team with a sub-500 record, uh, Cincinnati dropped in a week when it didn't play, while Iowa State went up in a week when it didn't play. Uh, Coastal Carolina checks in at number 12. USC only from 15 to 13. Um, You know, there's two sort of conversations here. There's one that sort of feels like, all right, listen, we we, we know that we're going to pretty much be facing an Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State college football playoff. Just, just sort of feels like that. But doesn't the selection committee deserve to be held accountable for their actions right now? Uh, what do you mean by held accountable? Well, it... it like, f- should they be arrested or... No, but it, I... I <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Arrest them! Lock them up! <laughs> Lock them! <laughs> yes! I mean, no! I hear what I, I hear what you're saying, like held accountable. Cause I did, you know, I've, I've noticed some more people that aren't seen as a little bit more of a loose cannon the way I am, where I'm just shooting from the hip all the time, but like more respected voices that are starting to say, wait a second, does this make a whole lot of sense? And it doesn't. And you're starting to see, and I've been screaming this pounding the table for the past six years I've tried to make the case. I did it with UCF this year at Cincinnati. And now I'm fully on board with Fernelli, who has said they don't have any chance. I thought they could maybe shake things up. It's just, it's a rigged system for the traditional powers, the blue bloods, if you will. And no one can ever crash the party until we change the, until we change the rules. The grift is real gentlemen. So trying to tell you. All right, so the committee's going to look at you with a straight face and say, well, Florida beat Georgia, and we're going to respect that head-to-head result, and that's what's going to put a very high floor for Georgia. I think that if an Iowa State's one spot ahead, I think if Indiana and Florida played, Indiana, they might score 111 points between the two of them, but I'd I think Indiana could win that game. Like I just think that there's a there's a little bit of a log jam right there where it feels like the Bulldogs 
the committee starting to come around on them. They're not going to move them regardless of how they perform as long as they continue to win. And they're just not going to drop Florida below Georgia. And the reason I mentioned this is that this is going to be hurting Indiana's chance of getting in the New Year's Six. This is going to be hurting chances of other teams who are not part of this traditional power, who are having the best seasons that they've had in decades. They're not going to be able to go to whether it's the Cotton Bowl, whether it's the Fiesta Bowl, whether it's the Orange Bowl. Those opportunities are not going to be there because of this log jam that they've got right there with Texas A&M, Florida, and Georgia. Correct. And it sucks. It sucks. For them. And if we want to hold them accountable, we can. It's just, in my eye, they're not doing anything differently this year than they've done in any of the previous six. Every single week of every single ranking for the last however many years, they've been asked questions. Well, why is this team here? And why is not this one? And why this one? And they just give you boilerplate answer to, you know, they bend whatever the hell they want to say with using any statistic they want to say or any excuse they want to say to explain why one is there. And then two questions later, they will say the exact opposite about another team. Like the thing today is Cincinnati's dropped because it hasn't played since November 21st. (laughs) Meanwhile, Ohio State has played once since November 21st, and they didn't even consider dropping Ohio State. They just say whatever they need to do to justify the result that they want, and that has been the case. And I think this year it is to another level because, as I was saying, I've been saying all year, there are no rules for bowl eligibility this year. If there was ever a year where the college football playoff was just going to say, screw it, let's put the four teams we want in and then any other team we want into the New Year's Six Bowls because we just want to get these games in to get as much money and get as better ratings out of them that we can, this is the year they're going to do it. And it's exactly what they're doing, which is why I was saying if Clemson loses to Notre Dame again, as long as it's a close loss, they're still in the playoff. Look at that top 10. How many two-loss teams do you see in it? Three. They're at five. Six, seven, ten, they're all two lost teams. If Clemson loses, I don't think it's falling past four. Florida only lost a drop the spot for losing to freaking LSU. Which is a joke. And I, I do so you're right. It hasn't been much different. It's just been exposed more because we don't have out of conference play. Uh, we have Ohio State has only played five games, and you see the blatant favoritism that comes in. Now, it's human nature. I am guilty of this. When I do a top 25 in the preseason, I am guilty. Once you get past 10, 15, you're kind of like, yeah, I really, you know, you got returning quarterbacks, you have this many returning starters, you feel pretty good. And when you get to about, yeah, well, that team's always pretty solid, you know, so you, you kind of tend to lean on the teams that you're more, or at least I am. You guys probably do more research than I do. I, I fall back to, yeah, that team's probably going to be pretty good because they've had solid recruiting classes. But I do think you've seen the massive disparity and the favoritism that goes on. And it's a vicious circular cycle that unfolds. And it's, it is specific for the SEC, but clearly the, the committee likes the ACC too, as the ACC has the most teams ranked in the top 25. But let me give you an example, because I, like, I don't think you've got these resumes that come out. So I, I'm trying to figure out what the committee weighs this year. And for a while, I felt it was signature wins. They didn't care how many. For Ohio State, they beat Indiana, right? That was their signature win. So they, won, they didn't care how many games you played. They wanted to see the signature win. So for Texas A&M, What did we hear about them? Like their signature win? It was Florida. It was Florida, right? Well, what was Florida's signature win? 
It was Georgia, right? Yep. What was Georgia's signature win? It was Auburn. And then, like, well, why is it, why was Auburn ranked in the top twenty-five so long? Oh, well, they you know they played, you know, they lost to good teams. Like they're still there. They lost to good teams. Like, and it's just this little vicious like cycle that just keeps churning, and it all props each other up when you've got a team like Cincinnati who may be undefeated and may have beaten a lot of teams that are over 500 and that are pretty good, but just because they don't have certain logos on their helmets, the committee doesn't look at those. And they're like, yeah, I don't know if beating Army is a signature win this year or beating Memphis or SMU. Uh, you know, I don't know if those are, quote, signature wins. And they won't view, they'll look at Tulsa the same way. Even though Tulsa's a top 25, they won't value it as much. So I've got a theory and it's that in years past, the committee's always been able to lean back, especially at this point in the rankings, on we'll just we'll let conference championship play it out. But right now, with the Pac-12 being out of it, with the Big 12 having two two-loss teams, uh, we're looking at the logjam, the potential of two ACC and two SEC. Uh, you know, it is a situation where they can't lay back and just say, "Well, you know, we'll just let conference championship Saturday play it out," because you've got all these conferences that are out, and now they've got to make difficult decisions. It's it is a position. I'm not going to call it lazy, but I will call it easy when you can just say, "I don't know." I'm, we're going to have five power five conference champs, right? Okay. Well, we'll watch all the games together and pick the four best teams out of those five conference champs. And with that not being the case, it just kind of uh, continues to bring to light the, the moving goalposts that we have for these rankings. Yeah. And I think, I mean, here's the scenario I see playing out. I, Texas A&M fans have been yelling at me for weeks because I keep saying this, but I want, I want Texas A&M fans to understand I'm not arguing deserve. I'm not arguing merit. I'm not arguing logic. When you bring the argument that Texas A&M deserves to move into the four spot if Ohio State loses or they replace them, you're using logic based on where the rankings are. You're using logic based on how games go. <clears throat> Nothing the committee does is based on logic. I think that has become clear, as you see every single week, the way that they move these teams around. So I'm telling Texas A&M fans right now, be prepared. If Ohio State loses to Northwestern, it would be I don't hilarious. Think it will. It would be. It hilarious. would be hilarious. <laughs> if, but or if Clemson gets blown out by Notre Notre Dame, and there's a spot that opens in the playoff, if Florida beats Alabama, your win over Florida will not mean a thing. Alabama is going to get that spot over you. So prepare yourselves mentally for it now. I could argue, and I don't think so, but I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa State would get the spot over Texas A&M if it beats Oklahoma again. But I do think that the committee has a little more respect for the SEC than the Big 12 based on these rankings, so maybe the Aggies would get that spot. But I'm just saying, gird yourself for it, because there's a very real chance that the Florida team you beat earlier this year will be in the playoff and you won't. Jerry Palm, I was just doing uh, the HQ uh, hit with him before we came on to tape the pod. Uh, He said he thinks Alabama has locked in the number yes. one seed no matter what's happening. You agree with that, huh? No matter I, what happens in this game. Because clearly be if they win... Two is the floor. Two is the floor, but I think you would have... Well, I, mean, I guess if Notre Dame... Notre Dame wins, they'll be one. If Notre right. Dame lost, then Alabama probably would stay number one. Uh, so I guess he makes a pretty good point then, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think they could fall to two if they if they lose badly. Or if Notre if they lose and Notre, and Notre Dame, Dame like crushes Clemson, then they probably fall to two. But yeah, I don't think they're falling anywhere below two. Okay. Um 
USC only moved from 15 to 13. It remains Out. undefeated. No chance. No chance. No chance. It's clear. They, the way they've been finagling these things, if USC had a chance, they'd have put it in the top 10. The Big 12 champion has a better chance than Cincinnati? Yeah, oh yeah. Cincinnati okay. doesn't have a chance okay. at all. And between yeah, they, Iowa's- they made sure Cincinnati doesn't have a chance mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks by continually dropping them. I think they might have been getting nervous with that seven ranking, highest ranked, and they started really diving in. And then when they didn't have the opportunity, they were like, nope, let's go ahead and make sure this doesn't happen. I mean, Cincinnati hasn't even played since November 21st. Can we even be sure they remember how to play football? I don't know. <laughs> That's the way the committee's thinking. I do think that Cincinnati would have a better case if it was 10-0. Like I, I just, totally. I just think that if they had played the Tulsa game earlier in the season when they were supposed to and won, if they had played the Temple game and won, especially if they had won handily, I just think that there's something startling about a ten and zero record that eight and zero just kind of blends in a little bit. Okay, Iowa State and Oklahoma, uh, what is the path equal for both of them? Do you think that Oklahoma, because right now Iowa State at six, Oklahoma at ten, is it the same? Like win the Big Twelve title game? and get the same results? Or do you think Iowa State has an easier path with it being closer to number four? I I think Iowa State has the quote-unquote better chance, but I can't rule out Oklahoma. Like if Oklahoma blows out Iowa State, and we're talking about possibility where a two-loss team gets in, and you're looking at a Florida or an Oklahoma or Texas A&M just based on the brand. I mean, I know Texas A&M is SEC, but they are not considered nationally to be like a blue blood. I know that that's where they want to get, and that's what they hired Jimbo Fisher to bring them to. But I think as far as brand recognition and that kind of stuff, which the playoff obviously cares about, Oklahoma would have a chance. I don't. I think it would be a joke at this point if they got it, but that really doesn't matter, does it? Let me ask you something. Who do you think's two losses are worse? Because Oklahoma was in both their games. The Kansas State loss is ugly, but it was only by three. They could avenge their loss to Iowa State with a big win, right? Mm -hmm. That could kind of erase that one. And then they only have a three-point loss. But meanwhile, you have Iowa State, who lost by three to Oklahoma State, but they lost to Louisiana, like a Sunbelt loss that wasn't close. But that's a top Uh, 20 team too. I know, I know. But I feel, but I do feel like if I, I still think if Oklahoma wins big, they would have a better chance than Iowa State if they won big. And it comes back to the whole perception of, ooh, who do we think is better? Who do we think has a better chance to actually be one of the top four teams? And I think that would favor Oklahoma and... You look at the addition of Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Perkins, like they had guys that were out and now they're in. So that could be their big excuse because the committee, as we've documented, can say anything they want to to justify the team they have over another. That's also what I've decided is how Clemson gets in with a loss. Clemson loses to Notre Dame and they're like, okay, so this one counts, but the first one doesn't count. Didn't have Trevor Lawrence, didn't have Tyler Davis, didn't have James Skalski, Mike Jones. Uh, We're not going to count that one in South Bend. In fact, quality loss because you took it to double overtime, right? You give them like the bonus points. Somehow it just gets shrunk. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts? That's what I've been saying. (laughs) I I think um, back to your point about the worst two losses between them, I I might be wrong here, and I'm sorry if I am, but if memory serves, Skylar Thompson did play in that Kansas State win over Oklahoma. So 
the committee could easily turn that into, well, Kansas State was a much better team when it had Skylar Thompson and it record really kind of fell through the floor after they lost their starting quarterback. So that wasn't a <laughs> terrible loss for the Sooners. Yeah, it's Skylar <sighs> Thompson had 334 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions in that game. It's a different and, team then, you know, it's a yeah, different, there's yeah. a quality loss to Kansas State. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not an inaccurate statement. It's just, it's not a good enough argument, but again, they don't need to convince a jury. They just need to tell you what they want to tell you. Well, what do you guys, what would you rather see? Would you want to see kind of chalk fly or do you want to see chaos and see something that's really going to irritate me and a lot of college football fans? I just think Northwestern winning would be hilarious. That would be, would. The, that would be like the, cause uh, the argument is really about Ohio state and it's about the big 10 and it's about coming back to try and get a spot in the college football playoff and let Ohio state compete for a national championship. And this little spunky Northwestern team taking them down in Indianapolis. Don't think it would happen, but I do think it would be hilarious. And that would lead to the controversy, right? Cause then what do you do with that number four spot? Who is deserving of it? That becomes the the great debate of Saturday night and Sunday morning. I, and if Cincinnati did run Tulsa, but I, I would love to see I would love to see Cincinnati have a big win against Tulsa and look the part, and then all of a sudden Ohio State gets beaten. They still snub them, which I think probably would happen. It'll be Cincinnati versus Texas A and M in a bowl game somewhere. Uh, yeah. I think. What I I feel like I've been saying that it's going to be Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, no matter what, for the last month plus. So I think for my ego purposes, that's what I want the playoff <laughs> to be. But I think as far as entertainment, just just to watch the world burn a little bit, if Ohio State did lose this weekend, that's when things would get really interesting because then that argument for the fourth team is going to be like, oh, the committee's going to be like, oh, crap. <laughs> we got to actually pick one of these teams now. Yeah. Because I think that Alabama is the best team. I think Notre Dame might be the most deserving. And I think Clemson deserves a crack at it. And I think that's where I cut off in terms of my national championship contenders. Mm -hmm. So whoever the fourth team is, they, good luck. You get to go to New Orleans. You don't get to go on Bourbon Street as much as you want to. And then you get to lose to Alabama by like 24 points. <laughs> he is Tom Fernelli. He is Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Remember, 9 a.m., 6 p.m., full signing day coverage on CBS Sports HQ. Barton Simmons, uh, Steve Wiltfong, Bud Elliott, Josh Pate, the rest of the 24-7 team, they're going to be giving you updates through the day. We're talking alerts to let you know when the biggest commitments and signings have happened. It's going to be a bonanza, wall-to-wall coverage. And after the end of it, well, then we're going to get Barton and we're going to give you an instant reaction show. It will be all the storylines we just discussed on Monday. Plus, as Barton said on the show, we're going to follow the news because we do think there will be some surprises. So make sure that you watch on CBS Sports HQ and you catch the signing day reaction show here on the Cover 3 podcast. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See you.